agency is driven by a lack of identity. This quote is from at your relationship reset. I resonate with this 100%. Do you? Hello and welcome to the Raven Scott show and the empath and the narcissist podcast where you regain your sparkle back after narcissist abuse. Last couple weeks have been quite an eye-opener and a revelation for me, and today we're talking about the forces that drive narcissism and codependency. And also I wanted to touch on the three ways empaths have, con- have been conditioned to look for self-worth outside themselves. And just as that quote that I read that really summarizes this entire feeling um, and discovery that I have just discovered about in myself healing and spiritual journey is that codependency is driven by a lack of identity. And I myself have been diagnosed codependent when I left my narcissistic relationship and went to therapy she uh, introduced me to what codependency is. Codependency is this intertwined, enmeshed emotional feeling of, you know, being needed by somebody, enabling their bad behavior just so that you can continually be able to take care of them, to receive attention, and to feel needed. And all of that wraps up into your identity, right? Being needed is something that you have to have in order to feel like worth living, right? This kind of weird ultimate identity wrapped around someone else. And the driving force between this duality, and I think also the concept here is we've got narcissism as one side, we'll call it the dark side, and codependency is also a form of the dark side um, of someone that may be more prone to the light side. And narcissism is a conditioned state. Narcissistic personality disorder is diagnosed and it is conditioned. I think there are certain traits, however, my personal opinion, that uh, people are born with and they choose to go down the dark path or the light path. Think of the amazing example that Star Wars presents to us. I'm sure everyone's heard of Star Wars, right? Of with um, Anakin. He was training to be a Jedi on the right path. He had amazing skills, but he had a tendency to give into his deeper, darker feelings of jealousy and fear. And then all of that culminated to him becoming Darth Vader on the dark side. So we all have this choice on the path. And yes, narcissism is a conditioned Um, existence. I also believe that there are elements within all of us that can have us be prone to going towards the dark side. And so we have to be mindful and choose. And once you become an adult and you can start to see things and become aware, that's the responsibility part where do you choose to continue to be selfish and disregard other people? Or do you continue to work on yourself, start to go to therapy? I've heard of a lot of narcissists who say, hey, I've got a problem you know, their loved ones have pointed it out and they've gone to therapy. So there's a whole gamut of circumstances. Narcissists are not all bad and evil. 
But at the same time, their actions, they're choosing to be. So you can't change them. It's like such a difficult kind of like in between reality, earth and space and sky kind of existence and concept, I think, you know, as far as how I process narcissists. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to just share with you what I am offering and I'm so excited to provide. First off, you can purchase my book on Amazon, Empath and the Narcissist, A Healing Guide for People Pleasers. I am creating a course that I'm so lovingly calling Embracing Your Black Sheep. This is something that's near and dear to my heart, and so I can't wait to offer this to you to gain clarity, to heal from the narcissist and toxic abuse, as well as really tuning into yourself and adjusting your expectations, creating healthy boundaries, being able to say no, and really strengthening your own inner autonomy. These are really trying times, and it's important that us empaths are strengthened, are supported, and this is the goal of this course. So if you'd like to join the waiting list and sign up today to get the latest news on when it's being released, which I imagine should be around August, sign up in the link in the description in the show notes. The link to the book as well as my merchandise store is also in the link in the show notes. I am raising money through my merchandise to help donate, to raise awareness for common sense gun laws, to stop the heinous, free, willy-nilly ability to be able to purchase a gun when you're mentally unstable. This needs to end. And so my merch, all of the profits right now are going towards this cause. So go and check out my merch store. There's items for children, journals, shirts, hats, and I'm constantly adding more to be more of a vocal voice in our society for inclusion. Can't wait for you to check those out. I can't wait to hear from you. And now back to the show. Now, I have a deep compassion for them when they were children. Um, They may have been emotionally neglected is the one point that I wanted to come across. Um, Having a distracted parent, the parents had to work all the time. So they were constantly seeking love and praise from outside themselves. They didn't have that adult to be there, hold space for them and nurture their emotions that they needed in those formative years. However, again, there's a choice when you reach a certain point there are multiple siblings in one family that had the same set of parents and each sibling comes out a different product, right? Some are very conscious and aware and kind and caring and, you know, want to change the patterns in their family. And then the others, you know, chose a different path and continued to seek self-serving tactics, essentially, no matter who's at risk, as long as they are feeling good and they're served and they're happy, that's all that matters to anyone's expense. Now, the second part of narcissism being conditioned is that there is entitlement, right? So 
They can never do wrong. The parent has never really scolded them. It's everyone else's fault. It's never the child's to blame, which is unhealthy in the developmental process because you need to teach everyone the real truth that in every conflict, there's two sides. Even if one side's smaller than the other, there's always something to take responsibility for and to apologize for, improve and correct and evolve and be a better person. And when someone doesn't receive that and they're spoiled and they're loved like a partner by their parent, it creates a very toxic self-identity and entitlement to things in the world. Hence, they're, you know, such a high sense of, you know, being. This, that's the pure definition of a narcissist is that they are have an overly inflated sense of self and they think they're above everybody. They think they can do whatever. They do no wrong. And this is the problem with narcissism. And narcissism and this whole can do no wrong, they have a very bullheaded idea that their concepts and the way of living is the only way and there's no other room for perspective that also has seeped into the collective, the community, the culture, certain religions, um, maybe most all religions on the extreme side, right, where it started out to be a really great thing and a good cause and then someone has you know shifted it maybe the collective or however that all evolves right into oh well this is the only way everyone else is quote-unquote of the world and we're above all of them because we have Jesus in our heart like I don't think Jesus would be happy that that was that's how it was used because he was in the world with all of the people who the Pharisees looked down upon. Number three, the lack of emotional development. Um, and like I said, they're forced into an adult role as a very young child. So maybe their father passed away when they were young. Uh, they're supporting the household, raising a, a sibling while their their mother's working, something like that. The love source from the mother, which is the ultimate source of compassion and love is learned by children from the mother and when the mother is tired run down um, maybe themselves are resentful maybe they themselves are narcissistic and you know drove the other partner to you know whatever happens the tragedy or it just happened accidentally whatever I mean there's a million circumstances right but that mother comes home tired, has no emotional breadth for herself. She's bitter. She's upset the world. Then she has no emotional compassion and breadth for her children. Therefore, the child has no understanding of compassion, no understanding of, you know, having emotional space held for them or even developed to help them guide through their emotional development. And another thing is they could, like I said in the point before they're entitled, they could be overly spoiled. Everything is given to them. Everything is bought for them. They can do no wrong. They are not punished. Um, they may be threatened or yelled at, you know, when the parent gets really frustrated, but then the consequence or punishment is never followed through. Um, and this is not good. This is not healthy. You can't raise healthy, emotionally intelligent 
children, human beings into adults by doing these things. So um, also the child is not given reality checks or behavioral corrections. Uh, All of that leads to this self-entitlement. And there can be so many other different scenarios, um, but that's just a couple off the top of my head from what I've experienced, what I've heard from the audience and in my own personal experiences from the multitudes of different narcissists that have come across my path in my life. But what is the main difference between the narcissist and the empath? Because I think the empath and the narcissist both have this codependency, but one, like I said, is on the dark side, one is on the light side. But it all links back to this lack of identity, this lack of emotional development. Something happened that stunted your emotional development in your youth. And I wanted to quote narcissist coach, um, here on Instagram. I know I don't, I don't like to get a lot of my information from social media, but this coach is amazing. You can just follow him at narc abuse coach. Now, because we're talking about conditioning and narcissism and what's the driving force, a lot of people will say, and I myself wrote down notes here for the show that says they experience trauma in their life. But just as I had said earlier, there could be four siblings that experience the same trauma Two of them have gone down the light path and two of them have gone down the dark path or one and three or whatever it is, you know, there is a choice. There is something inside you that ticks that you want to get better or you don't and you want to stay in your victimhood. So before I do this, I just want to say his name properly. I want to quote Danish Basher at Narc Abuse Coach. I follow him on Instagram. I highly recommend you do the same if you haven't. He creates amazing videos and contents all about educating and busting the myths, right? So the question is, so are narcissists act like this because they are trauma survivors? But he says, when narcissists are trauma survivors, how else do you expect them to behave? In his experience, he has never come across a trauma survivor who sucks all the air out of the room and all the attention in the room who vacuums all the attention to them he has never come across a trauma survivor who feels entitled to treat people like objects he's never come across a trauma survivor who takes advantage of people's weaknesses and their positive qualities and personality traits he's never come across a trauma survivor who intentionally pushes buttons in people to elicit reactions and then targets them using those reactions. I have come across people, trauma survivors, real trauma survivors, who are convinced that they deserve to be punished, that they seek permission to even breathe the oxygen in a room. That is what he has come across. And he states, no, trauma does not make you an asshole. And he can understand that trauma changes your brain and uh, coping mechanisms and defenses and everything related psychological trauma. But he can't make sense of this stark difference that those who have chosen the dark path have chosen to be assholes to others. And I know that in this journey, life gives us many signs, right? Our souls giving us many signs to behave or to evolve, to improve, to wake us up and say, hey, 
this is not the right path for you. So these people who have this disorder and or maybe are just extremely toxic and we call narcissists in our life, they have chosen to not see the signs, to ignore the signs, to not listen and to not wake up. That's the key difference. And the key difference is empathy. Empaths, we call ourselves, right? We have intense amount of empathy. Highly sensitive people have empathy. Normal people have empathy. I would not say that I would uh, call, um, you know, a few people in my life highly sensitive, but they still have empathy. This is a emotional development stage in understanding that you put yourself in another person's shoes, you treat others how you want to be treated. This is called empathy. And the narcissist survival mode, possibly, maybe, studies still need to be done that has them develop an overly inflated sense of self. If it's survival mode, if it's just their own personality traits, and they're the ones inflicting abuse on their family all the way as since a child, there are psychopaths that do that too, before you feel bad for them. Because I used to feel really bad, like, oh, they were they were abused as a child. They had trauma. Their parents divorced. You know, this is kind of how I was able to find my journey to heal my ex. But at the same time, you cannot change them, right? So before you feel horribly bad and feel like as an empath, you need to help and save them, think about that's your codependency kicking in. You can't change them. You can't change them. We all have choices. And those who have chosen themselves over improving and having empathy for others and interacting with those in a healthy manner, by the age of 18, all of those patterns, those selfish patterns are locked in. So unless they are willing to go to therapy, like I said, for years to come, literally years to come, it takes a lot of work to reverse all of these patterns. They're not willing to do the work. So why are you still staying and trying to fix them? Why are you still staying and trying to tell them that they are wrong? If they don't go to therapy, they're not willing to do the work, then you need to find a safe place for yourself. And you need to go no contact. And remember, self-development is a lifelong process. I'm sure you've recognized that by now. And some people can do a self-guided with a little bit of assistance here and there, self-development process, and others with narcissistic personality disorder need professional help, no doubt about it. They can't just do it on their own. Unhealed childhood trauma shows up in one's life and relationships as fixing others, people-pleasing, codependency, external validation, being needed, needing to prove yourself, on high alert all the time, feel like you're walking on eggshells, fear of abandonment, and tolerates abuse. The first sign of low self-esteem is people-pleasing. Number two is the lack of setting and holding boundaries. Number three is your harsh self-talk. Number four is lack of integrity or unwavering values. Number five is yearning for praise outside of yourself. So what drives the empath or you for codependency and basing your self-worth 
on the outside influences of others, the outside events, the outside invitations, the outside praise. What I found is, in my personal discovery, that number one, those who have been raised and developed in a family unit that has no freedom of autonomy in their formative teenage years for self-discovery due to a strict ideology, whether it be a religion or just, you know, like, let's say even like veganism, right? Like any type of closed-minded extreme idea that everyone has to do. And if they don't do it, they are a bad person, right? That mindset It's not a safe space for a teenager or a child to ask questions and discover and see all different sides and experiences in life to really solidify who they are and what they have a passion for or what they believe because there's such an extreme judgment against anything different from the belief system and ideology in the home. And for me, I experienced it was the the extreme Christianity beliefs. There are different sects of Christianity. There are different ranges of how extreme any religion is, how forgiving, how loose, how much they actually uh, follow the rule book, rule by rule. But with, with all that harsh judgment, without being able to explore and have a safe space to have discussions with the guide who should be there for you, the parent, then you're stunted emotionally. You don't know who you are. And f- again, for me, I I personally experienced diving even deeper into drinking the Kool-Aid and people pleasing even more by becoming a leader in the, the Christian church I went to as well as my school. And I, I isolated myself even more because I didn't have friends. I wasn't cool. I wasn't popular. People were afraid I would judge them. You know, I was like the chaplain. So it like makes it puts you in a really weird like adult slash leadership role when you should just be having fun and enjoying friendship and your peers. But because of um, what happened, I wrote in my book with my sister and the intense judgment of her moving out and getting pregnant very young in her youth, that really forced me to please and follow the rule book even more. So I didn't devastate my family any anymore because it affected their self-worth it affected their existence as a parent they felt like they failed as a parent well yeah probably a little bit but because they were so devastated personally they were so upset it was only their ego getting upset and it just as a child witnessing this at like nine I said oh I'm not gonna traumatize my parents anymore I want them to be happy I want everything to be okay So all of, I'm sure you've experienced something in your childhood that was traumatic, that made you people please even more. So reevaluate that, journal about that, release that. This is a perfect time to do around the, um, you know, the waning part of this full moon. So that's the number one point that I've discovered personally and believe that is a part of the impasse driving force towards codependency. Now, number two is childhood bullying, which then affects the self-worth. Because there has been a friend or a classmate who's continually bombarding you with negative words, controlling words, just constantly pushing your boundaries, and 
if you don't have that strong support system at home to be able to say, this is what you need to say. These are the tools. This is how you need to feel about yourself. The, you know, that child is coming from this place and really explaining it out, which I think a lot of us in the 80s and 90s did not have those tools. Like our parents didn't have those tools to share with us unless they were in psychology or a therapist or social worker. They, didn't, they couldn't tell us like this child is doing it for this reason. Don't take it personally. Like here are the tools. This is what you say. So it, it, it chips away at your armor and it chips away and brings your self-worth and identity lower and lower because those negative thoughts, the words are powerful. They're like arrows, you know, and they're wounding you and wounding you. And so you have this deep wound. And if you're like me and you felt embarrassed that they were, you were even being teased by, for me, again, I'm a book. I share, it was actually my best friend who turned my bully. I felt embarrassed. So I hid it from my mom and it just kept chipping away at my self-worth and my self-worth. And it was harder and harder on myself. And I was like, well, I shouldn't have told my mom. And then my mom wouldn't have told her mom and I wouldn't be bullied. So all of it, I turned back onto, it was my fault, which then feeds that forcing drive of codependency of low self-esteem. And so when you have low self-esteem, you look to outside yourself for self-worth because you don't think you have any inside yourself. Let me know if that makes sense. Please comment and rate and review this podcast. Take a screenshot of this and DM me and tag me and say, hey, like I totally get that. Share with me your story. I am here to listen. And the third point is parental emotional neglect. So this is a big part of the patriarchy or authoritarian parenting style of telling your child, stop doing that. Stop crying. You're tough. Toughen it up. You know, hold it in. They're not holding space for those difficult emotions for their child. It's okay to hold your child and let them cry. Like you need to get it out and then you can talk. Those, <laughs> that, that cry is not going to last all day. So just be patient, right? But if you didn't get that yourself as a child, and like for me, I would have temper tantrums and I would be banished to my room because I wasn't consolable. My mom did try and console me, but I was so frustrated and my open solar plexus center just like exploded like a bomb and she didn't know how to handle it. So the only way to stop it in her mind was to take away the attention, right? To take away the fire and the fuel and to banish me to my room. And I was then there as a young child to resort to dealing with my difficult emotions by myself. And when you do that, you feel like there's nowhere safe yet you're like really mad at yourself you're mad at them like you can't process all these emotions you just had and again for me I just internalized it and thought it was my fault because I was the one that was punished and sent to my room and of course it wasn't I was just amplifying the emotions of the whole kid group and then I get you know I'm the one punished because I'm amplifying it and having the temper tantrum where I'm sure I probably didn't even start much of it or it wasn't even that big of a deal. So all of that leads to low self-esteem and identity and codependency and making sure that everyone else outside of you is happy, making sure everyone outside of you gives you praise for your self-worth. So that's why the narcissist love bombing you hold on to that tightly because you now take that on as your own self-identity. 
you take on the praise of all the likes and the comments on your social media feed because that's how you gauge your identity. And if you have only five likes and you really want 500 or you only have 100 followers and you want 5,000 or you want 10,000 or a million, like you look at all these people, but that's not where your identity lies. It's impressive. Great. They've got so many followers, but how do they feel inside themselves? How do you feel inside yourself? And so the biggest aha moment I had was to stop gaining outside praise to feed my identity because my whole life, even all the way through my adulthood, when I'm excluded or have, don't get to go to a family, you know, function or it's planned without including me, but then last minute I'm invited because I reach out and say, Hey, what are we doing for Christmas? And it's like, they've had this whole plan without me and it's super hurtful. Yes, it is hurtful, but it's even deeper of a wound when I've wrapped my whole self-identity on being included in my family. Now I get it, like that's super hurtful. However, when you remove yourself from having this identity, like, well, I have to be a part of the party to validate that I am worth something, then every single time they do whatever they do, you have this deep wound and it triggers you and it upsets you and you spiral and you feel like, crap. You feel like nobody loves you. That's not true. And all you have to do is focus on loving yourself. Focus on your self-love. Focus on the tiny little family that you have. Even if it's just you and the cat. Be grateful for that because animals have unconditional love. And you need to bolster your wisdom. You need to bolster your love for yourself You need to bolster your self-identity within what you want to do. So when it comes to your life, let no one outside of you write your story, tell you that you're lovable, tell you that they love you and you receive it as that's your identity, right? It doesn't matter if anyone outside of you gets you or accepts you, you yourself, your soul understands you and you are safe. You are loved by the universe, by God, by your higher self. You hold yourself. And this is why this inner child meditation practice is so key because you as an adult can love and be safe and hold yourself for your inner child, that underdeveloped emotional child who has experienced all of the trauma and emotional abuse that I've just mentioned, you now get to heal that and be that healed parent and adult for your inner child. So now you get to play whatever you want to do. Do the meditation, be present, build that relationship with yourself, and then do whatever you want to do. Do it against the grain. Do something that's a brand new tradition for you, your family, anything that lights you up because looking to other people and anyone even including your family outside of yourself for your self-validation how much you love yourself how much you feel valued and worthy that is a very dangerous place to be because it leads you to be vulnerable 
to another narcissistic abuse manipulation scheme and another and another. And once you start to get really firm and solid within yourself, you stop believing all the lies. You see the lies of anybody, even if they're not in your life and they're, they're in the public eye. You go, oh, yep, they're toxic. Oh, yep, they're self-serving right now. Oh, yep, that's a narcissist. And you start to see it and you start to remove yourself from them. So one final thought is do not let your unhealed mother wound dictate your emotional world. You become your own mother now. You heal it. You are your own mother. And this will open and expand and heal possibly your relationship with your own mother. Or there will be a no contact situation or a gray rock method. But I say this because the Dalai Lama says the ultimate source of teaching compassion is the mother. So you can break the cycle and you can heal that mother wound that has led you to having low self-esteem and to being the bait and the victim of narcissistic abuse. And you can end that now. You can. It's very simple and yet I know difficult, but let your ego needs to let go and then you can heal. Your ego needs to let go. This is Raven Scott, and that concludes the driving force behind narcissism and codependency and the three ways empaths have conditioned to look for self-worth outside themselves. If this uh, podcast was powerful for you, this is your first time here, this is new, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, take a screenshot of it, share it to your socials, and tag me at Raven Scott Show. I would love to hear from you podcasting is kind of a bit of a funny world where it's just audio and there's no like comments or anything below the episodes but there there actually are comments and you can review the specific episode on podchaser or apple podcast is great too to write a review and just say hey and write how this resonated with you and remember everyone always keep your unique light shining You know, navigating the triggers and the stress and the PTSD after trauma and after narcissistic abuse, it's especially challenging. It's a challenging journey. And I personally can attest that I have gone through this. Your well-being is the utmost importance for your healing journey, for you, for your children. And I wanted to create a workshop for you based off of an experience I recently had that I've created this healing process for myself to somatically clear out all of the stress from the triggers within my own body. So here are the deets on this workshop I've just created. It is somatic healing and it involves reconnecting 
with your body to release the stored tension, emotions, and trauma. I will guide you through exercises and techniques to help you ground yourself, to manage your stress, and to reclaim a sense of control over your well-being and energy. You don't want to miss this opportunity to grab this free workshop and to take charge of your healing process. You will get somatic healing exercises that you'll have in your back pocket for all times, including somatic trauma release shaking, active aura breathing, reciting a releasing mantra, releasing from your hips, grounding meditation. I do an energetic sage cleansing ceremony and a powerful healing mantra to have for your protection and empowerment and to claim your power So join me and let's move towards a future filled with resilience, joy, and inner peace. Grab your seat today and get the video access to Releasing Triggers Somatic Healing Workshop today. The link is in the show notes.